Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. Well, good morning, Severn Run. Now, I, I did not grow up as a farmer. In fact, I remember the first year that uh, the first year that my wife and I were married, somebody gave us a cactus. True story. Uh, they gave us a cactus for our, our wedding, I guess. I don't know. Like, by the way, that might not be an appropriate wedding gift. Um, well, we got this cactus, and we set it outside, and we lived, in, uh, we lived in South Texas at the time, and would you believe it, we managed to kill a cactus. It, it, thank you. We're going to start a support group. We managed to kill a cactus. Now, several things have happened in my life over the course of the last few years in which now I actually have a garden. And would you believe we actually grow stuff in it and, uh, and are able to eat off of it and all kinds of other things. I don't know a lot about farming, though. I know a little bit about gardening. And what I can tell you, though, is that there is no farmer, there is no gardener that has absolutely unlimited space in which they are able to plant. Right? I mean, your yard is only so big. Um, your land is only so big. And so as a farmer, you've got to make the most of what you have. That would mean that you, if you want to not waste anything, that you plant in any available space when it, times, when it comes time to seed and when it comes time to plant. So the story goes that a farmer went out one day and with what land that he had available to him, he began to decide uh, what it was that, that he was going to plant and it really didn't matter what uh, it looked like if there was a chance for something to grow, he was going to attempt to be able to make it grow. And so he would go out and he would just cast some seed on the pathway. And the seed just kind of fell off because the pathway wasn't really going to take the, the, the seed. And then he went out and part of his land, it, it was rocky, but hey, listen, if there's a chance to grow then you got to go for it. And so he would take the seed and he would just go ahead and throw it down in there. And most of the seed, most of the seed fell out and didn't have a chance to grow or do anything incredible. He came along and finally he, he, he got to some soil. Um, but in this particular soil, there was a lot of thorny plants, but you never know. You give it the best that you've got, you try the hardest that you can, and so if that's what's on your land, then you just do your best to go ahead and make it grow. Some of that seed actually made it in there, and it started to grow, but as the seed started to grow, there were already all of these thorny plants and flowers that, uh, that were invading. The interesting thing about stuff that has thorns in it is, you know what, it Things that have thorns in them, including beautiful roses, they actually take up large majority of the nutrients that are in the soil. And so if anything healthy or edible is going to be able to grow, it's probably not going to be able to grow really, really well, somewhat, but not really well inside of the thorny soil. 
And then the farmer came along to the last little bit of the piece of the land that he had. And he decided to cast some seed upon that. And this looked like it was pretty good soil. And suddenly, over the course of the next few weeks, a plant began to blossom. And over the course of the next few months, fruit began to develop. And the farmer had finally arrived at the plot of land that he had that had the ability to actually be able to grow something. And so from there, he was able to return a harvest even way bigger than the few seeds that he had cast upon the soil. This is the story that Jesus tells. This is the story that Jesus tells in, in, in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 18. He begins to tell this story, and then that leads to his disciples asking the question that we already answered last week, why does Jesus tell stories? And so Jesus tells us why he told stories. And then he returns to the explanation of this particular story of the farmer that he has just shared. In the beginning in verse 18, it says this, Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath, right over there, it represents those who hear the message about the kingdom, but they do not understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches the seed that was planted in their hearts because it was laying out there and it was totally 100% exposed to the birds and to the evil one. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately they receive it with joy. They will take it in. They say there is something to that message. But since they don't have deep roots, since there's not a lot of soil involved in the rocky areas, they don't last very long. They fall away. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who they hear God's word. The seed has an opportunity to, to take plant in some way. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. None of us are guilty of that one, are we? But all too, the, uh, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. And then the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear, who take the time to have their ears open and listen, who take their time to have their eyes opened and see. They truly hear and understand God's word, and as a result, they produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. And every single one of us in here this morning, we represent one of these pathways. Every one of us represent some type of soil. And you are here today, 
And part of what happens when you decide to attend a church is that every week, if the church is doing what it's supposed to be doing, guess what it does? It throws out seed. That's what this entire morning experience is built around. Whether it is the worship that you've encountered already today, and wasn't that incredible worship this morning, huh? Whether it's the worship that you hear, whether it's the word that you hear, whether it's in some classroom that you've set in today, whether it's somebody that you've encountered as they greeted you when you came through the door, it is our desire at the Church of Severn Run to cast seed. But we recognize that on any given day, there are these four types of folks that have walked in. People that we're going to throw some seed on and it's going to bounce off. People that it'll stick for just a little bit. People that it'll start to grow something, but the thorns will take it away. And then people that will actually produce good fruit. And here's the most amazing part of it. When you're a farmer, you don't really get much of a choice as to what your land looks like. And when you are soil, you really don't get to choose what you want to be. But ladies and gentlemen, this is only analogy that Jesus gives because when it's all said and done, you are not just soil, you are a human being. You have a choice into who it is that you are going to be every single time the seed is cast out upon you. Every single time that God tries to deliver truth into your life, whether it's here on a Sunday morning experience, whether it's somebody that you work with, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your counselor, whoever it might be that is trying to toss some truth into your life, you have a choice as to what kind of soil it is that you are going to be. You have a choice whether or not your life, truth is just going to bounce off of you or your life is going to produce real and lasting fruit. And if we were to take a poll in here today, I can just about guarantee that everybody would say, I want my life to be and have real and lasting fruit. But what do we do to actually try to get there? That becomes the question that Jesus is asking us today. You see, the hard soil, as Jesus explains this, this is the life, this is the, this is the, this is the pathway where people's lives have been beat down. And some of you, you come from that experience, don't you? You come from an experience where your entire life you have just been beat down. Every single time that you've ever tried to do something positive, every, every single time that you tried to uh, accomplish something, what, not even great, but just a little something, you feel like somebody has beaten you down. Mom and dad started out beating you down from an early age, telling you that you would never grow up, that you would never be able to accomplish anything. I remember, and I've shared this before, but my roommate in college, I will never forget, he got off the phone, he walked into the room one day, he was so stinking depressed, he was so uh, down in the mouth, he had just got off the phone with his mom. By the way, that is not what should happen when you get off the phone with your mom. He walks into the room, and I said, man, what is going on? What's wrong? He said, my mom, just, she just told me all over the phone, you're never going to graduate anyways. Why don't you just go ahead and come home? When truth tries to stick to that, it just bounces everywhere. Then there's a second type that it's the rocky type, and these are the type of individuals that um, some of the seed does take place. Some of the quick growth um, begins to happen, but it's very unsustainable. 
Because this is the type of person that although the growth starts to take place just a little bit, when it's all said and done, they are more worried about their outside circumstances than they are about the inner portions of their heart. These are people that let feelings control their lives. Faith does not control their lives. Feelings control their lives, which means if it's a good day and everything, all the outside circumstances are right, then, man, we love Jesus today. But if it means that all of the outside circumstances are bad and we've been put down or we've been hurt in any way, shape, or form, then Jesus can go take a hike. I'm serious. You would not believe the number of people that in 21 years of being in full-time ministry that I have talked to on a Sunday morning that have come down and said, hey, listen, here is the deal last night. I just got arrested, and I'm here today because I want to turn my life around. Awesome. Let's do it. But then I never see them again because Jesus is a Band-Aid. Because he it just used Jesus to fix it real quick. Jesus is not a real quick solution, folks. And oftentimes people don't allow things to grow because they let their emotions get in the way of what it is that they're supposed to be and how, what kind of soil they're supposed to have. Then there's the thorny soil, and this is, where, this is one where obviously Jesus tells us that faith is dominated by earth. Faith is dominated by earth. You could, you could put this in two different categories. You could put this in the category of people that are of the world, so to speak. I mean, all of those quote-unquote sins that we like to list all down the, the, the page to be able to say, hey, listen, that person is sinful. That person is living badly. This person doesn't know Jesus because look at all the stuff that they're doing. And because they love the world so much, because they love, Jesus even says, the lure of wealth so much, because, hey, listen, they like the party life so much, because they like all of that thing so much that nothing ever takes hold because all of the nutrients get sucked out of that. And by the way, this category does not only include the quote-unquote worldly people for the church crowd that's here, because you're all amen in that one, aren't you? Yeah, this is the worldly people. But can I go ahead and say this? It's also the religious people. The worldly people and the religious people fall into the exact same category of problematic because the religious people get so stuck in the rules, they get so stuck in the minutia of trying to make sure that they get the checklist right that that actually drowns out the love and everything else that they're supposed to be showing to the world that's around them. And so, as a result, some growth takes place, but it doesn't ever go as far as what it's supposed to go. And then finally, there's the good soil. That's the soil that's ready. That's, just, that's the soil that is sustainable. This is a soil of the life of an individual who lives in faith and they do not live in fear. This is the soil uh, of the life of an individual who is well cared for and cultivated. Can I just go ahead and tell you, to be able to produce some great tomatoes, these things aren't ripe yet, but we can do some fried green tomatoes, can't we, huh? I mean, some, somebody give it up for some fried green tomatoes. If... if Here's the deal about trying to grow this type of thing, and I know this because I've got this garden in my backyard. By the way, this takes some work. 
I love this entire idea where everybody's out there saying, hey, listen, we're going to go organic. We want an entirely organic garden. And oftentimes people say it in such a way as if going organic is natural and easier. I have an organic garden, and I've got news for you. It is twice as hard to do than it is to just go out there and throw some chemicals on. It takes a lot more work. Man, if you want to be able to really grow some great tomatoes, you've got to, number one, you've got to keep the groundhogs away, and uh, thankfully I've got a chocolate lab. That takes care of that part. You've got to put a fence up around it so the rabbits can't get in. You've got to make sure the Japanese beetles stay away from your strawberries. Sorry, that's just an issue I'm having this summer. And uh, <laughs> you've got to do some work in order to be able to make sure that the soil is cultivated the right way. And I will go ahead and tell you, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be a life that produces some fruit, then you've got to do some work. You've got to take the time to be willing to be cultivated. You've got to take the time to be willing to be made different. So my question this morning is this, is which one are you? Has life beaten you down and no truth will stick? In fact, if you're hearing me today and, and, and you're thinking, hey, listen, maybe I'm that person, it's because you're sitting there and you're like, why am I here? You're feeling like, why am I here? This does, not even, this does not even matter to me. I don't even feel anything. All of this has happened around me today. All of these people are in a good mood, and I don't care. And you're living in a life that is, that, that is hard. If you're living here today, then you're sitting here and you're saying to yourself, hey, there's some truth in all of this. I, I, I kind of believe it, but nobody knows what's going on in my life and nobody can really understand. And, and I'll follow Jesus when I get this, 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 and this fixed. Good luck on that. And then if you're living here today, the way that you're feeling is you're standing out, you're sitting out there and you're saying to yourself, hey, um, Man, as soon as I get all of my credit cards paid off, then I'll get serious about, about following Jesus. As soon as I get rid of this thing or this thing or I stop this addiction, then I'll get serious about following Jesus. And you're wondering why there's never any fruit that's being produced inside of your life. And if you're sitting here today, well, God bless you. <laughs> You're awesome, keep bearing fruit. But for those of you that are sitting like this today, you know this took work, didn't it? It took work before it was in your life that you began to produce fruit. But I will say to you, no matter which one you are, there is hope. No matter which one you are, you do not have to stay there. Whether it's that you're sitting out here today and you feel like you don't care at all, or whether it's that you're sitting out here and you're producing all the fruit in the world and you want to figure out how to produce more, I will just go ahead and tell you there is hope. You do not have to remain where you are. In fact, would you do me a favor? Say this with me. I don't have to stay where I am. Now say it. Even with more conviction, I don't have to stay, have to stay. Where, I am. where I am. And you sure don't because I'll tell you something. I have seen the hardest of the hard. I have seen the hardest of the hard. 
I shared this story three years ago when I first came on board here at the Church of Seven Run. But I thought, man, it's such a good story. It's worth telling again. And by the way, you guys have forgotten it anyway, so... I was pastor of the First Baptist Church of Essex, and we were starting to see God do some incredible things in the life of this church, this little tiny church that was dead on the eastern side of Baltimore County. And it was pretty amazing stuff, and we decided that we were going to have this big, huge 4th of July um, kind of independence party for the community. And so we went out and we started knocking doors and we started handing out stuff and inviting as many people from around the community to come as they possibly could. And one of the things that I thought about at that time was like, hey, listen, nobody's going to want to come and hear our music because it's bad. Nobody's going to want to come and, 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 and listen to a pastor preach because who wants to do that if you don't know Jesus? Like nobody, like how in the world am I going to get people into this room? And so at that point, I decided here's what we're going to do. We're going to give away a big screen TV. Now, all you religious people are sitting here in the thorns. You're mad at me right now because I didn't follow the rules. But I don't really care why somebody walks into the building. I don't care how we got them into the building. You want to know how? You don't want to know what I care about. I want to. I care about what they leave with. That's the only thing that truly matters. So we decided we're going to give away this big screen TV, and we put that out there to everybody. And would you believe it? We actually had a crowd that day. Because in Essex, not every house has a big screen TV. And so we put this out there, and uh, my wife comes home one night before the, the July 4th Sunday that we were going to do this on, and, and she walks in to me, she walks in and she goes, hey, listen, I've met this interesting guy down the street tonight. I just want you to know he's probably going to be there. Um, his name is Joe, and, uh, and, and Joe, he, well, let's just say this, he hates Jesus. He doesn't even believe Jesus exists. He hates God. He can't stand him. But he'll be there on Sunday. Okay. He was the hardest of the hard, I'm just telling you. This is a guy that was an Iraq, first Iraq war veteran that did intelligence and had to go in before anybody else went in, and he unfortunately had to do things that no human being should ever have to do to other human beings. He had gone through PTSD. He had gone through, he had seen the worst of all of humanity. And so as a result in all of this, he had decided that, hey, listen, um, Jesus just, there's no such thing. He showed up on that particular Sunday morning, and uh, he came because he wanted to be a part of the barbecue contest that was having. He won third place that day, salmon. Who wins with salmon? I don't know. <laughs> it was Essex. But he, he won with salmon. And, and at the end of the day, as the day was wrapping up, I thought what was interesting was that he actually had come into the church building because one of the guys that knew him from down his street had walked over to him and said, hey, we're giving away a big screen TV. And so as he walked in, uh, to the, he said, I'm not going in there. Like, if I walk in there, the roof is going to fall down. You've heard people say that, right? It's what hard people say. The roof's going to fall down if I walk into that place. And, and the, the, his buddy, who had recently come to know Jesus, said, hey, listen, you know me. It hadn't fallen in on me yet. We're good. He said, well, I'm only going to go in there to register for the big screen TV. Because that's the only place you could register. See, I was thinking. 
He said, I'm only going to go in. I'm only going to register for the big screen TV. And so, sure enough, like he comes in and that's all. He was just going to register and leave. But, he, but when we got up for the announcements and we talked about how to do this, then he decided just to go ahead and sit in there for a little while. And he stayed. And as he stayed there, um, that day we preached on the fact that freedom isn't free. It was July 4th. That makes sense, right? And by the way, that TV wasn't free either because somebody had given money to give that TV away. See, we just turned a whole giveaway for TV into Jesus, didn't we? Told you, I don't care how we get them in. I care what they hear and what they leave with. And so sure enough, we shared that that day. And as he had won that, his one third place in the barbecue contest that afternoon, I was walking around as the pastor and I was shaking hands with folks and thanking them for being there and, and what a great time that we had had. And I walked by him and this is the first time that I had met him. And by the way, my, my wife hadn't told me that Joe was otherwise known as Big Joe. I mean, I'm talking like Big Joe. This dude is one of the biggest men I've ever met in my entire life. Solid, stinking, it's bad. Look at me. Not a good competition. I walk over to Big Joe and, and I said, hey, man, thanks for being here. I didn't even know that this is who it was yet. And uh, he, 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 he shook my hand and then he looked at me and he said, you know, that he, he said, you know I do not believe in all of this. Jesus, with a couple of expletives, junk. I was like, Wow, well, how do you really feel? <laughs> I do not know what came over me. This is the stupidest thing I've ever done in my entire life. But I said, I'm sorry, that's your problem, not mine. And I walked away from him. And all of a sudden, Joe said, Pastor. I thought it was interesting that he used a term of respect for me even though he didn't believe in my Jesus. I turned around, I looked at him, and he said, could you come back over here for a second? I said, sure. I was already mad. <laughs> Dude could sit on me, though, and take me out in two seconds. He looks at me and he says, he says, but I just want you to know I felt something in there today that I've never felt before, and he actually started to tear up a little bit. And I put my finger right in the middle of his chest. It's not a joke. I stuck my finger hard right in the middle of his chest. I, let, I said, let me tell you something. That is the Jesus that you do not believe in. He's got your number. Give it up now. <laughs> and I walked away from him. He was stone cold. But he came back next week. Showed up the next week and then the next week and the next week. And, man, every single week he was coming up, and he started kind of asking all kinds of questions. And I'm not going to lie to you, Joe, with all of his issues, he was an emotional basket case. But he would come up, and he would just ask these questions about, well, what about this about God? And what about this about Jesus? And this can't be true, and that can't be true. And so we would just have conversation almost every single week after church was over. And he came back, and he came back, and he came back. I knew God was doing something so big, so huge inside of his life. And after about six months of this, I just kind of decided that I'd like kind of had all I could take because there was a lot of reasons why he wasn't feeling like at this point that he could come to Jesus because, you see, he was living with his girlfriend who used to be his, his children's nanny. 
he was like, I mean, just, you know, living the lifestyle. And any, it seemed like any truth that was there was being choked out. It was being choked out. But he kept coming. And I just decided one day, like, I'd had enough of it. And I called up the Christian bookstore that afternoon, and, and this was a Saturday, and uh, they had this thing that they were doing for us at the time, because anytime somebody would come to accept Christ in our church, what we would do is we'd put their name on a Bible, and then we'd give it to them the next Sunday after they accepted Christ. And so I called up the bookstore, and Joe hadn't accepted Christ. I called up the bookstore and said, hey, listen, um, I know you've got a stack of Bibles that we've already purchased that you can put names on. I said, but i got to come down there. i got to get a Bible. You don't understand. This guy's name is Big Joe. I need a big Bible. Like, I mean, I need a big Bible, like the biggest Bible you can have, like those family Bibles, like the ones. Like, I need one bigger than that because this dude is big. He cannot be walking around with some little tiny, uh, like, like, like kid's Bible, Okay. They're like, listen, we can do something for you. And, and they put Joe Blaylock on that Bible. And that night I called him up. I went and picked up the Bible, had the U-Haul truck ready. We brought it down. <laughs> <laughs> we picked up that Bible, and, uh, and I called Joe that night. I said, Joe, you're going to be at church tomorrow. He said, yes, Pastor, you know I am. I said, good. I said, I've got something for you. Come see me before the service starts. He said, I'll, I'll do that. And so that next morning, I got a bunch of the guys from the church to help me carry the Bible over. And uh, we, we stuck it down there on the, on the front pew uh, at that time. And, and we, we stuck it there. And Joe showed up. And I said, Joe, come, up, come on up here. Remember, he had not accepted Christ. We only gave these Bibles to people who had. Joe walks on up. He looks at me. And I said, what you got, Pastor? I said, I, just, I took the cover off that thing. I said, listen, I'm not going to try to carry it. Uh, but this is yours. Here's this big old Bible with Joe Blaylock right there on the bottom of it. He looked at me and he just started to cry. Because he knew why we gave those Bibles away. And he took that Bible and he went back and he sat down in his, in, in his chair. We had chairs on the sides and pews in the middle. It was a thing. And he's went de- he went back and he sat down in his chair. And I don't think he heard a word I said all day long because all he did was cry. That entire service. At the end of the service when the response time came and we offered the opportunity for people to come forward and give their lives to Jesus Christ, all of a sudden Joe steps out from the side. He was the hardest guy I'd ever known, but I'd watched him work his way through every single one of these processes as the seed had begun to take hold at all the right moments. And he began to walk down that aisle, and as he walked down that aisle, the entire church, I'm not kidding, the entire church who knew Joe's story stood up and just started clapping. Joe walked forward to me, and we bear hugged. I had to go to the hospital after the bear hug. <laughs> but it's okay. I'll take one for Jesus anytime. We bear hugged, and we, stead, we stood there like two grown men, and we cried for 10 minutes. It was 10 minutes before I was able to pray with him to accept Christ. Folks, I don't care how hard you think you are, and I don't care how hard you think anybody is in your life. You can go from there all the way to here. This morning, Joe is back there in his church. He is serving, and every day he gets up, and as he's on his way to work, he's used this new technology called Facebook Live. 
And he films himself driving to work, and as he's driving to work, he's talking about what God taught him in his devotions that morning. There's more than enough hope. There's more than enough. Jesus can redeem any of this. He can help growth happen in your life or or the hardest person that you know. Because Jesus does not waste any space in this garden called life that he's given us. He's throwing seed. You have to decide what kind of soil that you're going to be. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to watch this video for just a moment. With your heads bowed and eyes closed with me for just a moment. It does not matter the shape that you currently find, the condition of your life's soil. Even if you feel like you're out here today and that you're your heart is a concrete jungle, it can be redeemed. That person in your life that you feel like they're too hard, they can be redeemed. I love Pastor Mendez's last words there. Let the sun hit it. It will grow. How many of you with your heads bowed and your eyes closed today would just look and say, would you just raise your hands, I want to pray for you here in a second, would just say, I need the sun to hit some part of my life or I need the sun to hit somebody else's life. Would you just slip up your hand? I need that this morning. Jesus, you see the hands that are lifted here today. You see the, what can oftentimes feel like hopelessness because we think that somebody's too far gone, or we might even see ourselves as too far gone, but that is not the case. Because you were willing to give your life for us, because you were willing to die for us, because you were willing to shed your blood for us, because you were willing to be buried for us, And you prove that even the hardness and the finality of death is not enough to stop you. So does that power today of the fact that you are the living son of God that we claim, we ask you to shine your light upon us no matter what our soil condition is. We ask you, Heavenly Father, to shine your light upon others that we might be concerned about, that we might think that there's no hope for. Because we know that if you can rise from the dead, you can do anything. God, bring our hearts back and help this to be a fruit-producing church for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today at the Church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.